Grab your Bibles now and open them back up with me to uh, the book of Jeremiah. We'll continue our study of that. Um, The first eight verses. (coughs) By the way, (coughs) let's just have a blanket. Please forgive me for coughing. You know, it's it's January and it comes with my territory, I guess. But um, I'm sorry to hack into this thing, but please forgive me. Now, I'm going to read from a book that is under assault. That is um, in so many corners. Um, it's being suggested that we now have better understandings. Ladies and gentlemen, we believe this book to be the inerrant and infallible Word of God. That it is, in essence, the, the mind of God is black words on a white page. So, let me read to you just a portion of His mind as expressed in this book. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, hear the words of this covenant and speak to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. You shall say to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, cursed be the man who does not hear the words of this covenant that I commanded your fathers when I brought them out of the land of Egypt from the iron furnace saying, listen to my voice. And do all that I command you. So shall you be my people and I will be your God. That I may confirm the oath that I swore to your fathers to give them a land flowing with milk and honey as at this day. Then I answered, so be it, Lord. And the Lord said to me, proclaim all these words in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. Hear the words of this covenant and do them. For I solemnly warned your fathers when I brought them up out of the land of Egypt, warning them persistently, even to this day, saying, Obey my voice. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but everyone walked in the stubbornness of his evil heart. Therefore I brought upon them all the words of this covenant which I commanded them to do. But they did not. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God, this endures forever. Guys, I just, I just read you um, a little passage out of Jeremiah, as you know. But I want to start this morning with Moses. Now those are not the same people. They're probably, I don't know, a thousand years in between them. Moses is the guy that led Israel out of Egypt and brought them right up to the promised land, and Joshua is the one that led them in. Remember that? Okay. So Jeremiah takes place, oh, hundreds of years later. But I want to tell you of something that Moses did. This is found in Deuteronomy 27. Moses gives instruction to Israel that, that is, by the way, if you've got those little cross-references in your Bible, you'll see it cross-referenced in there. <clears throat> um, Moses gave instructions that this ceremony was to take place once they entered the promised land. Once they got over there, they were to do this thing that was oh so dramatic, which you know that means I really like it. <clears throat> it was this dramatic ceremony, and here's how it went. It was to be performed on two mountains. 
Ebal and Gerizim were the name of the mountains. Apparently they were pretty close together with a little valley in between them. And uh, six of the tribes, six of the 12 tribes, were to stand on this mountain and the other six tribes were to stand on that mountain. And so so they um, formed this giant antiphonal choir. And so they stood facing each other with this little valley in between them. And what they were supposed to do is that, I think it was Mount Ebal, the six tribes over there were to shout out the blessings of obedience to the covenant. And they would shout one, and then they would all join in antiphonally and say, Amen! And then it was the other mountain's turn, the six tribes, and they were to shout the curses associated with disobedience to the covenant. And they would shout one and they would say, amen, back. Back and forth all day long. The blessings of the covenant of of obeying the covenant. Amen. The curses of disobedience to the covenant. Amen. Now, The reason I tell you about that ceremony, by the way, it was performed in Joshua 8. Once they got in the promised land, the instructions given in Deuteronomy 27 were obeyed by the people of God in Joshua 8. Why do I tell you about that? It's because Jeremiah, in chapter 11, is referring to it. The backdrop of Jeremiah 11 is that covenantal ceremony that took place on Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. Now, you may have noticed when I, um, when I read the passage that the word that stood out, or the word that is included, is the word cursed. You never find the word blessed in here well why is that well it should be pretty obvious those sanctions and stiff penalties that were associated with disobedience to the covenant those are the only things that were performed because you see the people chose not to obey. Now guys, understand, you've got you to understand this. This covenant ceremony that is instructed by Moses and performed by Joshua was being done by God's delivered people, Israel, redeemed people. They weren't in Egypt anymore. No, 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 no. God had set them free. They were out of bondage. He he, he talks about the iron furnace. Oh, no. They're not in that anymore. They're out. And now as they come into the promised land, what could be more right, more just, more appropriate, more fitting than that the people who had so recently been delivered from an iron furnace of Egypt 
that those people would choose to obey him. Not so that they might be delivered. They already were delivered. They're already out of bondage. No, 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 no. Their obedience was just their, was to be just their expression of gratitude in response to the great things that God had done for them. Um, obedience was not to lead them to be redeemed. It was to be a response to having been redeemed. Again, you got to get that right. You got to be crystal clear about this. In an age of New Testament gospel preaching, folks, Christians obey not so that they can be saved or become a Christian. Christians obey because we are Christians. He has performed this work of grace in us. And in response to that work of sovereign grace, we respond to that in obedience. The desired obedience mentioned here was not to earn them anything. It was simply as so that, that they might know the enjoyments of a healthy relationship, paternal favor. Our eternities as Christians is secure. But that will not save us from the present temporal consequences of our disobedience. Because you see, ladies and gentlemen, obedience is a path to blessedness. So God reminds Jeremiah of all that. And Jeremiah responds in verse 5, So be it, Lord. Unfortunately, he was the only one that responded like that. <clears throat> Even after prolonged, look at verse 7, warning them persistently again and again, even unto this day. And their response, the outcome, the result, it's in verse 8. Yet they did not obey me. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear. But everyone walked in the stubbornness of his evil heart. Well, no, that's not a big deal. I mean, you know, at least to us, 2,500 years later, I mean, you know, everybody disobeys. I mean, you know, yeah, I lie, but everybody lies. You know, I'm a thief, yeah, but everybody, everybody steals. Tell me, if you're a parent, how big a deal is it for you when your kids 
openly defy you. Big deal, no big deal. What if that open defiance is not simply once, but it's repeated over and over and over again? Big deal, no big deal. What if your wife commits adultery, but only once? Big deal, no big deal. But what if she commits adultery over and over and over again? Big deal, no big deal. So folks, what do you expect from this God after those repeated appeals and in response to those repeated appeals, what he gets is hundreds of thousands of violations. I I told you this story years ago. In fact, I looked it up. I told you this story way back in 2002. So that was 17 years ago. So maybe you can repeat stories every 17 years. I'm going to. I don't know whether it's right or wrong, but here we go. <clears throat> the story is about a movie that I saw when I was crossing the Atlantic one time. Um, you know, when you're on those transatlantic flights, you're looking for something to kill some hours. And so, oh, let's look at that. And we look at, you know, anyway. Look, I found this movie, stumbled across, never heard of it before. But it was, the title of it was Unfaithful. And it starred Diane Lane and Richard Gere. And um, the details aren't really important, but I'll give you a few of them. Um, They were a married couple. They lived out in the suburbs in this beautiful home. He apparently was some kind of uh, successful stockbroker or something. And um, they were, I don't know, 40s maybe. um, And she was going to redecorate her house. And she wanted to buy some artwork for her house. And so she went into this. She heard about this new um, um, uh, artist in town. And uh, so she went... To, uh, to, to look at his art in his studio. And so she went into the city, and I just assume for a moment that it's New York. It's not important. But she goes into the city to find this studio, to find this artist and this, uh, this art. And so she goes in there, and sure enough, there's the art, art, and the artist comes out, and it turns out he's this young, handsome, um, healthy guy. And so there's these you know, flirtations here and there uh, between the two of them. And then she goes home and, you know, she comes back and she buys another piece or so and she keeps on looking and then more flirtations. And then on one occasion, uh, the flirtations got a little bit overheated. <clears throat> and so she grabs her purse and coat and, and um, heads down the stairs and she hails a taxi. Now, folks, the idea that um, an affair occurs is no big is no new story but but it, it, in this movie they did something that i thought was a piece of cinemagraphic genius they included a an alternate storyline and it starts right here at the taxi in the movie she comes she, she hails the taxi the taxi pulls up <clears throat> She's just had this very overheated flirtation upstairs. And um, she's opening the car door to get in. And you can see she's in this turmoil. 
She finally concludes. She closes the door. She sends the cab on. She goes back upstairs, falls into his arms, and the affair commences. Well, as the movie unfolds, um, the husband, Richard Gere, finds out that um, his wife is having an affair. And then he finds out who it is. And so he goes to the studio and he murders the guy. And then the movie goes on and the police get involved and they finally figure out Richard Gere is the murderer. And so they take him off to prison for whatever it is that he has to face. But in this alternative storyline, which I thought was just genius, they take you back to the taxi cab. And she opens the door to the taxi. And gets in. She goes home. There is no affair. The artist is not, the artist is not murdered. Her marriage does not break up. Her husband does not murder. And he's not sent to prison. And I remember back in 2002 hollering at the top of my lungs. I don't do that anymore. I've mellowed. Um, But I remember hollering at the top of my lungs. Get in the dead gum taxi. And all of Israel said, No. And so in our text, the only word that's included is the word curse. Because Israel refused to get in the taxi. She refused to obey. But right now I'm not so concerned about Israel. I wonder about us. Maybe, maybe now you know why our lives are so messy and so complicated. How complex our lives can become because we refuse to obey. Not a whole lot of enjoyment in my walk with God. Hmm. In fact, there's not a whole lot of enjoyment in anything I do. Hmm. Why, do you think? You think it's because maybe we wouldn't get in the taxi? Gang, there is a deep, important lesson that is found in the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 10. And I want to show it to you in two slides. But I'm telling you guys, you've got to get this. We have got to get this. Um, give Give me that first slide. And this is Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. <coughs> Let me read that to you. Um, 
And now Israel, what does the Lord... The reason I put this slide up there is because I wanted you to see that this is being addressed to God's people. This is Israel post-Egypt. They're out of the iron furnace. They're, they're under Moses' leadership and they're wandering through the wilderness. But these people have already been delivered. And to these redeemed people, God says through, Jer- uh, through Moses, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God. To walk in all his ways. To love him. To serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Now before I put that second screen up here, I want to read you the verse that goes right after that comma after soul. The words that come right after that comma. Let me read you those words. And to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today. Did you see the lesson? No, you didn't, because I didn't read it. I left it out. Could I have the second screen? Now, guys, you don't have to read this loud. You don't have to disturb your neighbor sitting next to you. But I'd like for you to read it with me. Out loud. I'll lead you. It won't be hard. But read this text with me. Okay? Are you ready? Here goes. And to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today... For your good. Do you believe that? Do you believe that obedience is for your good? You see, guys, God designs life in a certain way. And when our lives are lived that way, they work better. Not pain-free, but they work better. There's a sanity to them. There's, a, there's an episode, you don't need to turn, it's in, it's in Jesus' ministries in Luke 11. And Jesus is just preaching his heart out one day, and, and, a, and a woman um, interrupts him. Just kind of breaks in while he's teaching, and it says it. it this is <coughs> Luke eleven twenty seven, and he said these, And as he said these things... A woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. And he said, No, lady, you got it wrong. Blessed, rather, it's not her that's blessed. Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God. And keep it. You want to know where the benediction of God falls? On those who hear his word and do it. By the way, there's another one. It's right back over there in Jeremiah chapter 5. If you're still in Jeremiah, look at chapter 5 with me. 
Let me read you two verses out of Jeremiah 5. It says, verse 24, They do not say in their hearts, Let us fear the Lord your God, who gives the rain in its season, the autumn rain and the spring rain, and keeps for us the weeks appointed for the harvest. Your iniquities have turned these away. What what are the these? Well, all those rains, the the autumn rain and the spring rain and the seasons that that have made us, uh, that have provided in our agrarian society so well for us. God providing all those rains, but your iniquities have turned these away. Look at the next sentence. And your sins. have kept good from you. Your sins have kept good from you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that obedience, that God wants us to obey, not because he's some killjoy, and he likes to see people sad, but because obedience is a path to blessedness and it is your sins our sins that have kept away from us these good things how how many of us (coughs) have lives that have spun out of control because we refuse to get in the taxi. How many of us have lives that are so complicated, impossible to manage because we refuse to obey? No, 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 no. We, we thought the way to be happy is to write our own rules. And so we did. And we followed them. And they haven't worked, have they? Now go back with me to the text. And this word curse it's a horrible word God will curse you oh what a horrible word why why would he want to do that verse 8 they did not obey or incline their ear my friends I have a lot of degrees. I've got an undergraduate degree and a graduate degree and a postgraduate degree. You know, it seems like I was in school for like 21 years or something. But it doesn't take any of that training to understand that. What does he curse? Disobedience. What does he bless? Obedience. You know, Jesus cursed a fig tree in the New Testament. Why do you do that? Well, that fig tree, as you may recall, it didn't bear any fruit. But what about me? What fruit have I borne 
Mm, well, not much. Not much fruit here. Why is that? Hmm? My dear friend, you must ask yourself, why is that? Could it be that there's possibly no life in you? Oh, but Dr. Young, what human being is capable, capable of rendering unfailing obedience? None of us. But do you know what you've just proved? All you've just proved is if we get what we deserve, we will be cursed. Folks, there's no way around that curse. But there is a way through the curse. And it is to go through the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ bore my curse. Christ bore the curse of my disobedience for me. And my friends, that curse... It will fall on me or it will fall on him. Which will it be? Meanwhile, those of you who are already redeemed, those of you who have already tasted the beauties of grace, Do yourself a favor. Get in that dead gum taxi because the desire of our Heavenly Father is that we keep His commandments and statutes, which He has commanded us. For our good. You believe that? Our Father, if you have brought people here today who have not yet met the Savior of ours and think that they, um, they know better how to conduct their lives than you do, would you, would you cause them to see that the thing that will be written over their life from beginning to end is the word curse? And I pray that you will cause them to see that there is a way not around the curse, but through it. When they come to the foot of the cross, there, there is a Savior who was cursed for my disobedience. Lord Jesus, we love you. We are sorry we love you so little. But might a life of obedience say to you and all of heaven, we belong to the God of infinite kindness who desires his people to obey 
for their good. We believe that, Lord. Grant us fresh supplies of grace now to obey you better. We ask it, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen.